square fielder. He's gone to the dogs. Friends, and you are my friends, I welcome you once again to the Gone to the Dogs podcast. Your host, Steve Fielder, of course you knew that, uh, here with you one more time. And today, I've rounded up a couple of, as uh, so, uh, Mr. Timothy Ball used to say, ragged-legged coon hunters. And uh, we're going to just have some dog talk. Uh, the slogan or motto for this podcast is dog talk at its very best and i believe we're going to have uh be able to live up to that today i have got the wild man in the house mr jim meeks from the great state of south carolina how you doing jim i'm doing good but i'm in north carolina now oh are you back in north carolina i can't keep up with you brother i've been up here 13 years Hey, you must be. Did you ever know Whitey Smith from West Virginia? I know who you're talking about. He had um, a dog called I, Spring Creek Rock Two that he used to advertise, yeah. and Whitey was a, a city policeman in the town of Moundsville, West Virginia. And my dad yeah. worked up in that area on uh, pipe jobs, you know, for over the years at different times. And when he'd go up there. He and Whitey would hunt together some, but uh, Whitey would uh, would come by and pick him up when he was on pat- patrol, and Dad would just r- ride around with him at night, you know, while he's patrolling. And uh, and I'm sure there was some stories that flowed through there. But anyway, Whitey saw me at the PKC World Hunt in Aurora, uh, Kentucky, and he was introducing me to somebody there that he some friend of his and he said this is steve fielder two states claim him and i said what in the world is he talking about he said yeah michigan claims he's from west virginia and west virginia claims he's from michigan Michigan. (laughs) there you go yeah man and we are in for a special treat back by popular demand um from the great state of maryland (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Tom Gilroy. How are you, Tom? Good, Steve. How you doing with that Florida weather? Oh, man, we get, we the Chamber of Commerce is a little aggravated right now because we've been having <laughs> rainy days. We're supposed to be the sunshine state, you know, but... Uh, right. Anyway, everything's good here. How about up there on the uh, eastern shore type way? Are you, are you right on the eastern shore or not, Tom? Uh, I think we're about two hours oh, okay. away from it. Uh, we're we're Southern Maryland. That's right. And, uh, That's right. Now I had you on the podcast before, didn't I, Tom? Yes, sir. Yes. Yeah, sir. I was looking back through my log, and we must have named that podcast a different name or something because I didn't see your name pop up on the index there. But um, how long has it been since you've been on? Do you remember? I think it's. It's coming up on a year. I reckon it was last spring, and it, if this recollects anything, it was uh, first half with Randy Smith, and then I was the second half. I see. That may be how we, we might have tucked you in behind Randy there somewhere and all. But, well, man, it's great to have you back on. And, of course, Jim, brother, we've been going back a long time. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, 
I don't even remember how long we've been knowing each other, Steve. I know. I your daddy for I know you. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, well, you, I knew you, you too. The same the, as he was. Right. <laughs> well, I knew. <laughs> well, I take that as a compliment. I, uh, But I felt like I knew you already, you know, the first time I met you because of your writings. And I knew you through those old Yadkin River dogs, through my buddy Leo Lars there in, in West Virginia. Yeah. had old Brax Blaze. And, uh, Blaze. Blaze, old Blaze. Um, I uh, said one time, I think when we were on a podcast before, and I, I misspoke. I used uh, uh, the wrong gentleman's name. Uh, Leo used to come down to into Central uh, Virginia and hunt with a guy named Elwood Christian. Now, on yeah. our podcast before, I said Elwood Ferguson. Well, Ferguson yeah. was a well-known black and tan man. But Mr. Christian was an African-American gentleman that Leo always enjoyed going down to hunt with. And he would always laugh about Elwood when Blaze would tree. He'd say, uh, Leo, we got to go. Old Blaze is stomping his feet. And he bounced, you know, at the, at the tree and uh, bounced his front feet. I always liked that trait in the dog. Did you? Well, yeah, and you know, they they must be something down through the line because there's been a couple of these dogs that same bloodline that I've noticed that treat that same way. They yeah. would stand there, they would sit down and tree, and every time they barked, they'd pat their front feet on the ground. Yeah. And they'd be wagging their tail in the fall when there's a lot of leaves. They'd have the whole ground swept behind them where he's wagging that tail, <laughs> pushing them leaves back and forth. Yeah, man. I really liked that myself. That was interesting. You bet. Did you ever see one do that, Tom? Yeah. Helen does it somewhat. You know, you watch videos on YouTube of her daddy, Blaster, and uh, Merchant's Tree Blaster, and he's just sitting there wagging that tail, wagging that tail. Well, when Helen gets locked down and, you know, she don't move a whole lot or she's tired or something, you can just see where she's been pushing them leaves back or when they get on one side of the tree and they go to the other, it looks like a hog's been in there wallering around that tree. That's so right. It's, it's pretty cool. It is cool. I, I just love to watch tra different traits like that with dogs. I remember at the uh, PKC World Hunt one time we were sitting there waiting to score a tree. It was a year Silver Dollar Stone won and uh, – there's a dog called Stylish Oz that was in the cast, and uh, and we were sitting there waiting for the judge, Kevin Roberson, to come back from scoring Scott Engel's tree. And the dog, uh, oh, that stone dog was just sitting there like that, patting the ground the whole time they were gone. And, and I, I imagine that was like a clock ticking to those boys because it depended on how this tree was scored. Uh, mm. who was going to be the world champion. And they had to stay and wait to, to be sure. And uh, as it turned, if it if they found a coon, the Oz dog would be the world champion. If they didn't find a coon, Stone would be the world champion. And as it turned out, it was a den tree, and they worked that. I, I don't imagine a den tree's ever been worked any harder 
than that one. <laughs> but anyway, I, I do remember that. And the little things, you know, in this sport that you carry on down through the years, I guess. Or maybe that's just me, but uh, I seem to. Well, you know, uh, a bit more. No, go ahead. No. When, you, when you're talking about Stone, I'm pretty sure Stone goes back to these dogs on both sides, Mama and the Daddy. So I would bet be. he does. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure. I don't remember exactly what his uh, pedigree was, but I'm pretty sure he does. So that would, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not just saying it comes from these dogs, but that's odd that that's, that's in him, you know, and it's been in dogs before him. Yeah, and, now uh, he was out of the Rock River Stone dog that Frank had. Yeah. So I know that had to go back, I would think, uh, if he went back through Sackett Jr. Now, well, did the ring dog... Been, did Ring Rock River Ring go back to your dogs? No, no, no. no okay. okay. Uh-uh. But uh-huh. the Stone, the Rock River Stone dog, might be the dog I got in my mind that went back on. Well, he time. was the sire of Silver Dollar Stone. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about that? Well, if you look back there far enough, I guess you know we're. The old, there used to be a song on the Grand Old Opry, and I don't remember who it was. Tom, you'll forgive me, man. I'm older than dirt. <laughs> but it was called I'm My Own Grandpa. And and this guy had written this song about how he was related all the way back. Through. He turns out when he boiled it all down, he found out he was his own grandpa. But... <laughs> <laughs> Some of these dogs could be that way, I guess. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Tom, you're a young man. How old are you? I'm 22, fixing to turn 23 in June. Oh, my goodness. My yes, sir. goodness, 23. What would I do to be 23 <laughs> again? <laughs> and know what you know. And uh, Yeah, you always got to put that part in <laughs> because – to be honest, I didn't know very much when I was 23. Not nearly as much as I thought I did anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, me and Jim talk about it quite often. You know, if I was y'all's age or, you know, older than I am now, what I would have been able to see back in the day, see Jim's champ and Jeff and Chico and all them great dogs through the years, and Jim's tell me he said well i wouldn't have nobody to hunt them yakin river dogs now well i've I've told jim you know i wish a time machine was invented or existed because i'd go back and see jeff and and champ and all that kind of stuff and chico and all them good dogs that everybody knows and uh he said well i wouldn't have nobody to hunt the yakin river dogs of the day i said yeah that's all good and everything but you know you hear my dad and gary weller and all them guys talk about well, Champ's a measuring stick, and, and Chico was real good, and Champ was good in water, and Jeff was real loud, and a top reproducer. And I don't, you know, I think Ed Hammond said, Ed Hammond said it best. He said, I could tell you till you till you and I were just both blue in the face and couldn't spit another word out, but you just physically or mentally cannot understand how good these dogs were. And it, it you know, burns me up wondering <laughs> late nights listening to them dogs run. Man, what it would be like if I was in them swamps with Jim or, or got to know my uncle a little bit better than I did at the time. And I just think about that a whole lot, what it would be like if I was older, had lived through that time. I think it'd be pretty neat. Well, uh, 
I'm sure that you can do that through uh, listening to the stories from Jim yes, and, and from the other of the older hunters. And, you know, I, I, I'm older than you, aren't I, Jim? No. No. You're older no. than me? Yeah, I'll be 81 in October. Okay. Well, I you're think just. You're 77, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. So you're a little yeah. bit older than me. You, you're you just a lot tougher than I well, am. Well, at least I got something on you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they say age is just a number, so. <laughs> you, know, you know, Tom's talking about going back to them old dogs and all and that. That's great. But uh, the one thing that these young people that they'll never know is the difference in what the hunting was when me and you was 20 or 30 and what it is now. I mean, it's, it's probably beyond anybody's imagination how much change in the coon hunting world or the world really, but especially the coon hunting world, how the, how the dogs have changed, how the hunters have changed, how the uh, situations, the, the property, everything. It's just, it's changed so much. It'd be, it'd be impossible to tell anybody and them really understand mm-hmm. what we were talking about. Well, I think that's right, Jimmy, and I think about that a lot of times, too. I said, these guys are not really believing these stories that I'm telling, you know. Yeah. And I, my brother lives in southwest Virginia in Tazewell County, and mm-hmm. I've got a good friend, a young man that I've met, and uh, become partners with him on a, on a dog or two. Uh, Keston, Jesse, and uh, Keston was telling me the other night of going hunting with a fella, and uh, they made a couple of trees, okay, and apparently it was around a chicken farm, and these coons had been getting into the chickens. And you might know something about that, Jimmy, down there in that part of the world where you live, they raise chickens, don't they? Or, or Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, um, he hunts a dog named Clyde, a two-year-old walker dog, and and the other boy had a a walker female, and I don't know anything about her. But anyway, uh, they make a tree. The dog split tree, and one of the dogs has got three coons in a tree. Mm. Now, wait. The other dog has... Ten coons in a tree. Oh, wow. <laughs> in southwest Virginia, when I grew up hunting, I used to go down to the hunts at Tazewell and Christiansburg and all just different places around there, Bland, Virginia, different ones. There wasn't ten coons in the whole county. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you they weren't. Uh, but and probably well, I won't even go there. But probably if they were, somebody turned them loose before the hunt, <laughs> because you know we just didn't have coon like that. That's the bottom line. They just weren't there, and uh, so you know they're blessed. I, I you're not going to go out and tree, you know, thirteen coons and two trees every night for sure. No. But it's just you know crazy how how things have changed that way. 
I want to get back and talk about these Yadkin River dogs. In just a minute, I wanted to mention the fact that I'm heading out this week in just a couple of days now out to Batesville, Mississippi for the UKC Winter Classic. And uh, the boys at UKC thought that I guess that I uh, needed to get out more and uh, <laughs> give me something to do. So they asked me to come and help judge the top 10 bench show uh, that they have out there. And there's two uh, pretty ladies that will be judging the most of it. Uh, and they needed a third body, I guess, and they figured uh, there couldn't be much better contrast <laughs> than to have, <laughs> have me do it. But anyway, I'm going out, and I'm going to my buddy Nubbin Moore's on Wednesday, and Nubbin and I always have a great time when we travel, and we talk, and we tell stories, and we, uh, you know, those old hounds get better uh, the deader oh, the yeah. better you know all the all the way but i just wanted to say that this um podcast will air the uh, monday morning uh following the winter classic uh we won't be able to have the winners or any news but we'll try to follow up on that on the on the following uh the following episode. These things are usually recorded about a week ahead. So, uh, but anyway, I thought I'd just mention that. And uh, uh, I wanted to ask you, uh, let's start with you, Tom. Uh, everybody knows Jim, and and he's been around, uh, you know, the block, so to speak, and they know his contributions to the Walker breed, which are, oh, man, where would you even start? But uh, what uh, fascinated you with these dogs? I, I, I think the answer is going to be your family connection, but just, you know, you're a young man, 23 years old, soon to be. Really, I watch your post on social media. Uh, you're, you're a believer, yeah, you, you are – when a man your age says Yadkin River for life, you got to think uh, he's taking this pretty serious. What was it – what has it been, Tom, that fascinated you with these dogs? Well, I reckon when I was a, a, a real you – know, I'm still young, but when I was real little, Dad was into it real heavy. And you and you and Jim know Dad pretty well. It's David Gilroy for people who are listening. And uh, his uncle, which is my great uncle Gordon Gilroy, first met Jim. Uh, Jim probably tell you better, but I think it was either in the late seventies or early eighties when uh, Jim had Jeff. And they were they, they they bred Dad's female called David Dinah, and I believe she was off a of Tidewater Shepherd. She was bred somewhere along the lines of that bloodline. Well, they bred her to Jeff. And got Crowder. And if you talk to a lot of people from our way anyway, they said that was the loudest dog around and hard to beat. Well, it just, you know, branched off from there. And I come along. Dad hunted all them years. And he had a male named Cruiser who was a grandson to Crowder. And uh, Dad had him when I was real little. And he said he took me when I was, 
I could, you know, it's hard to remember when you're that little, but uh, I think I was maybe two or four or somewhere in the long lines of that, and they took me and me, Dad, and Gordon laid in that cornfield over in Virginia, I'm pretty sure, and just listened to Cruiser. Now, I couldn't tell you what Cruiser sounded like. I couldn't even tell you what he looked like unless I was looking at a picture. Well, uh, just growing up around these hounds, Dad never had anything other than Yakin River. When you went and visited Jimmy Meeks, it was Yakin River. So I grew up knowing these hounds. And, and you know, when I was a little fellow, that anybody could ask me, what's so-and-so out of if the dog was alive? You know, I had that uh, little of extended memory. I could tell you their daddy, their mama, their just whole family lineage. And I, it just stemmed from that. Well, Dad had gotten out of it for probably three years. I guess I was... 15 or 16 when he got out of it and and you know i wasn't really interested in it either i guess i was chasing girls or something something other than raccoons and hounds but i uh i graduated high school and i said man I, i'd like to get me a, a hound dad had some out there and they just hadn't been hunted well it's always been a thing of my family my great-grandfather did it my granddad's brother who's gordon he did it dad did it and now I'm doing it, and it's just, it's an addiction, it's an obsession. I don't know the 100% right, you know, thing to say about it or, or the wrong thing to say about it. There ain't hardly anything wrong with it. Just, you lose a lot of sleep, but it's worth it, in my opinion. I just grew up on it. It's always been Yakin River. It will always be Yakin River. Um, I just... The way they look, the way they sound, the way they perform, just as in any bloodline, you have good ones and you have bad ones, but you take them all in and you keep going. And uh, I just love it. I, I don't know what else to say other than I was raised on it. And hopefully when I have kids, they'll be raised on it. You know, God willing, it's it's very beautiful to have come into what I've come into and had people like Jim and my uncle and my dad, you know, pave the way for me and, and show me what a good dog's supposed to be and what bloodline is supposed to be. Cause it's, in my personal opinion, Steven, you know, I'm a diehard Jack and river fan. There ain't nothing better. And that's all I'm going to say. Y'all, y'all go ahead and, and uh, pick up off where I left off, but that's, I love Yak and river and it ain't never going to change. Well, I'm going to ask you uh, in a minute uh, to, to just drill down into that a little bit and, and besides just that family connection and all, and we know that you love the line, but I'm going to ask you some of the whys. But, Jim, was yes, coon dogging in your blood from the time you were little? Well, I'll tell you, nobody in my family, the history of my family, uh, hunted anything. Uh, my daddy and my brother fished a little bit, but they used to make fun of my daddy said I must have been the ice man's boy. <laughs> and uh, a lot of people don't understand. But years ago you didn't have refrigerators had ice boxes. You had a man come around bring ice to put in there to keep stuff from spoiling. Well they said I must have been the ice man's boy. <laughs> I my you. daddy my daddy always said, Well, he was caught in my trap and I've been feeding him, so I'm just gonna claim <laughs> And but nobody in the history of my family ever hunted anything. And when I was a little old kid I stayed in the creeks and the branches. I was catching tadpoles and frogs. I, I mean, I just stayed in the woods and the, and the little branches. From a little kid, you know, I just always liked it. And I got started possum hunting. And uh, I, 
the first time I ever went possum hunting, I just I fell in love with it. I don't know why but it was exciting. And we right. didn't have coons. We possum hunted for probably ten years before I ever seen a coon. There wasn't no coons around. And uh I just I liked the dog at trees and the old man I hunted with, he had a blue dog, he called him Dan. And all his dogs was beagles and blue ticks. They were just mixed up dogs. Some of them weigh 35 pounds, some of them weigh 70 pounds. And we rabbit hunted the same dog with possum hunted. But old Dan, them dogs was real good dogs. But old Dan, he had a huge mouth. and He, he would tree the whole front, be covered, slobbered, and he'd be bug-eyed. And he'd grab him and pull him back over there and hold his mouth shut. I said, what are you doing? He said, he barks too much. He gets on my nerves. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I loved it. But uh, we used to take turns climbing a tree and shaking them out. And, and uh, if we couldn't climb a tree, we shot them. But we we went to kill something. There wasn't a whole lot of sport to it. <laughs> and uh, I just, I just it's like a fever. I just got hung up on it. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the first walker dog i ever hunted with that would tree we never heard of a walker dog in the tree it was old tut's tilly mm. and uh i i went up and hunted with tut lord hunted with tilly and i hunted with her sisters and everything and and she was a real dog now and jim then, uh, the guys that are from the southeast let's say around that nucleus of the southeastern tree and walker association there mainly yeah. in Virginia and in the Carolinas, uh, know these dogs very well, um, and probably around the Grand American and the old U.S. Championship and all. And, of course, Salisbury there for many, many years with the Southeastern right. Trim Walker days and all that. There was a real walker culture there in that part of the world. Um, yeah. And when you mentioned Tut Lore, uh, where did he live? He lived there at Trinity, right above Salisbury, probably, huh. I will say, 25 miles, maybe 30. I got you. Most. Yeah. Well, and, you know, we talk about the resurgence of Full Crime magazine, and, uh, you know, I cut my teeth on that magazine and, and uh, probably learned to read on it, too. But uh, those names were just bigger than life to me as a kid over there in West Virginia because we didn't have, you know, as listening to you and Tom talk, I I think back to my own experience and what lit the fire for me, and it was my dad telling those stories of hunting with old Pat and Mike back on the farm in Tennessee, that pair of cur dogs. And talking about, you know, and they were possum dogs. That was the deal. It was like you say, no coons in the area. And he and Dad say sometimes they'd tree on a great big tree, and all we had was a lantern or maybe a two cell flashlight, and those batteries we'd heated them up on the wood stove to try to get a little more life out of them. And believe it or not, they used to do that. And uh, so those stories just resonated with me. You know, it it was like reading uh, uh, Hans Christian Andersen or, or, uh, you know, just, just any 
adventure book that you we would have in grade school when I was a kid. Those were adventures, and they were real live adventures to me because my dad was involved in them, you know, and my family. So it was, and so I guess, and my mother always said it was in the blood, you know, that I, uh, and we say that, but there is something there. There's a genetic connection somehow. I don't know whether it's genetic or it just appeals to us, but either we are or we aren't, it seems to me. You know, crazy about coon dogs. The one thing thing that kind of got me on these dogs, you know, a lot of people, and they will see an ad and they'll get a pup. And and there ain't nothing wrong with that. I'm I'm just saying, but, you know, these dogs is maybe high dollar dogs or whatever. And they some good dogs out there nowadays. Uh, Ashley Oxendine said, you know, the dogs now don't compare to a dog of old days. Well, the dogs of old days, uh, wouldn't be, wouldn't be in it with these dogs that are hunting now the way they hunt, but you wouldn't own these dogs in the old days because you didn't have tracking systems. You didn't Correct. really didn't have a way to drive. You walked. But yeah. I, the first dog I, the first walker I was hunting with was Touch Tilly. I hunted with her sister. I, and A.J. Wright bought Sue. She was off of Touch Tilly and Houses Bali. Well, I hunted with Sue. And and like the dogs I got, I, okay, I hunted with Tilly. I hunted with Sue. I hunted with Blaze. I hunted with the Tom dog I had. Then I took a bitch off of him, or Kyle Chase took a bitch off of him. And Brad Pete was a brother to Blaze. And then they got Jeff. Well, I can sit here right now and look at him three or four or five generation papers on my dog and what I didn't own I hunted with just about every dog on it so I you know I knew I knew which ones had what problems and <laughs> you know you don't need to breed this into that one it might work it might not but I knew them dogs for I knew them dog for generations I hunted I hunted with this stock of dogs since the early 60s so I've been hunting with these dogs over 50 years the same bloodline and uh, I got my first one that I owned was in 1968. So that's 30, 40, 50, that's 56 years. And uh, so so when I, you know, I kind of liked these dogs, and, and I knew, I kind of knew which ones was doing it, which ones not. But uh, I always liked the lion bred dog, and, you know, a lot of people outcross all the time, and, they get good dogs. I, I ain't got a thing against that. You get what you want, but uh, I just I just like these dogs. And well, you know, I see a lot of parallels to when I interviewed five years ago, Mister Wimp Aaron, who we just lost here recently, and and of course he yeah. he kept his line of dogs going down through the years with the queen females. Uh, a continuous line I think now uh, just before his passing was up to 17 I think of them Uh, and of course he bred out went out and bred to stud dogs and so forth but uh, you know you look at that and breeders like Wimp and and yourself Jimmy uh, you gotta admire the fact that they stayed true to what 
you know, what they liked. But the one thing I wanted to mention there that got me on this talking about Mr. Aaron is he said when the Walker dogs first came into his country, they weren't really weren't much. They uh, they didn't have uh, or, or had very little tree in them, and uh, you know it took a while for them to to get dogs that were actually suitable. You know, uh, he said right. most of the purebred Walker dogs that came down uh, to Mississippi, you know, were were weak in in areas like that. Was that the case with the when when you uh, well. I, I have read the history of some of the dogs like you're talking about, Wright Sue and Tuts Tilly right. and some of those dogs. Uh, they What did they basically go back to? They were sailor-bred dogs, weren't they? Yeah. Yeah, they were sailor-bred dogs. Well, what they did, uh, you know, Houses Ball, it was off of Houses Queen, and uh, I think a dog named Elmer, I, I think. They were single rest yeah. of dogs Joe House had. Yeah. And then uh, Tilly, her mama's name was Kate, and I just, it's been so long ago, I can't remember back exactly. But I think there was five pups in that litter. There was one male named Spot, and it was Kate. And uh, I mean, it was Tilly. And, uh, uh, well, usually I can come up with all them names. But anyway, uh, A.J. Wright got that. And Sue was just treeing them coons. AJ was hunting great dogs all his time, but he had a, he had a dog he'd had single rested, a pretty good dog, and and he got Sue, and she was six or seven months, eight months old somewhere along there, and she was falling tree behind them dogs. Well, she had coons, and they had coons too. But what she was doing, she was treeing the first one up, and they was going on treeing when there wasn't no more tracks. And uh, mm-hmm. she got to doing so good, he just started hunting her. Well, he bred her. He went on a trip. I told you about it before. Yeah. He hunted with several big-time stud dogs. Right. And he, and he hunted with Sailor Jr., and he said Sailor Jr. Uh, was the kind of dog that he was wanting. He did things the way he wanted to do it, so he bred to him. Well, anybody in this country, when they talk about the Yakin River dogs or the Sailor dogs, Everybody's talking about old Sue. Everything down here, that, or at least uh, back when we was hunting them a lot, all them dogs went back to Sue pretty heavy. Most of them went back to her more than one time. You know, well, just like uh, Jeff, he come down through Tom, which was out of Blaze, and then Jeff's daddy was Pistol Pete, which was a litter mate to Blaze, and then uh, Shaw's Judy, she towed a bunch of dogs, that made it real big. Well, her granddaddy was a litter mate to Pistol Pete. And, uh, so, and we just line bred them dogs down like that. And, and everybody, everybody talks about, you know, in this country, you think about right. Sue is, is what put them big in this country. Cause well, AJ Breder and, and people mm-hmm. coon hunted, got them and hunted and they made good dogs. And you know, the word gets around. So, well, yeah, well, it it's been a long time, and I've seen pictures of Sue, and but now did she have that uh, typical sailor boy or sailor bred blaze face? Wild no, blaze. Uh, she did no, not. Okay. No. Uh, 
see Sailor's son, when he hunted with Sailor Jr., uh, they had Sailor's son there, too. You know, he was a big white-faced dog. Mm-hmm. Well, the second time A.J. bred, he bred the Sailor's son, and them pups were just as good as the one off of Junior, but they was calico-eared and half-white faces and mm-hmm. big old whole face white, and he liked a pretty dog. Yeah. So, but they was good yeah. dogs. He kept one off of that litter called Bolo, just treat sacks full of coons. And, uh, but he went back and bred to Sailor Jr. the next time. Well, he bred her to Rob's Danny Boy. He bred her to four or five world champions. He would never line breed. He always outcrossed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he bred her to four or five different dogs and just got good litters of pups. You know, every one of them didn't make a world beater, but somebody would like most of them. They'd run a tree. Yeah. And he, he bred the one world champion dog. Because he, he hunted with him and liked him so much. And then he got that litter of pups. Well, she come back in. He bred her again before he trained them pups. And he said he didn't know it, but he, he just throwed two litters in the river and drowned it. He, oh, said, he was talking about he didn't actually do it. He was just talking about I wasted two litters on I that dog. <laughs> but he didn't cross with her. But well, everything else did. Now, those Hershberger dogs that we talked about, those sailor bred dogs, we call them. It was Dick Hershberger out there that had, right. uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, uh, what was the dog, uh, Hershberger's? Uh, he, had, uh, he had Spot. spot Oklahoma Junior. Spot. And, yeah, and, and uh, had Kansas what? Babe. I don't know if he owned her or not, but that was one of the big crosses to Spot. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I, you know, of course, with my experience hunting several nights with that blaze dog you mentioned, uh, you know, he had that that uh, classical Hershberger look to him, you know, with the yeah, and them blaze big thing. dogs, big dogs, yes, big, sir, big dogs, mm-hmm. and good mouths on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, typically in the mountains where I came from, a smaller dog was popular, but. Yeah. Uh, you know, these dogs would come in from places like Virginia and North Carolina and so forth. You know, of course, Jimmy Carpenter, uh, a lot of people know Jim because of his involvement. I with him fairly regularly. Yeah. With he was his, a good friend of mine. Yeah, Jim was a great guy, and I was privileged when I went to work for UKC as a field rep in 78. He was a field rep, and then I got involved, of course, when I went to work there full-time with the Purina Award, and Jim was the representative for the Redbone breed, so I had a lot of good good times, and Jim would come up to our shows occasionally and judge there in southern West Virginia and all, and he had Blaze when uh, Leo Lars bought him, and I don't know how Jim got a hold of him, but... Uh, I don't know how neither one of them got a hold of him. Brack Helms on him, and he promised me if he ever got rid of him, he was mine. <laughs> and Leo called me and said, uh, I was advertising Tom, he said, uh, he said, I got a pup off your dog. I said, you have? I'm, no, no. He said, I got uh, your dog's daddy. I said, I don't believe you have, bud. He said, yeah. I said, I said not really. He said, Dog named Blaze. I said, Where'd you get him from? He said, Jimmy Carpenter got him for me. And I told him, <laughs> I said, That dog wasn't ever supposed to leave down here. And he said, I'd love to come there and go hunting with you. He come down hunting with me. Nice guy, big old rascal. Oh, yeah. But I, he could get through them woods, though. Oh, boy. And, he was uh, a funny Blaze guy. Good. We, had, we had a good hunt. 
Yeah. He was one but of my best hunting buddies. Do- yeah, you're talking about one of them, them big dogs. I always liked a big dog, and I hunted. even before, I used to go down there and hunt before I ever moved down there below Lumberton. But I hunted a lot of deep water, and uh, most people don't hunt that, but I really enjoyed it. And I had a smaller dog, and when I was started hunting down there, and then big dog be running when he was trying to swim. Yeah, and you can yeah. run further faster than you can swim. <laughs> you know, if you get beside a pond, put a guy in the pond, you're more likely to get to the other end at first if you want on the land. Yeah, uh, I like them long-legged dogs, but people talk trash about them. And, oh and I, yeah, you can you can go to Grand American, they can be two hundred dogs tied to that fence, and people <laughs> walking along looking at them. And, I, and they're nice dogs, and there'll be a big old 80-pound dog there that's cat but he's built like a quarter horse, and every one of them will stop and say something <laughs> yeah. about him. So he gets yeah. their attention. Oh, yeah. And I I never had nobody run off and leave them dogs. You know, they, mm-hmm. they got around pretty good. Well, you know, that's funny. Uh, my dad liked a smaller dog, uh, but his yeah. males were up, you know, 55 pounds or so, maybe 60 at the most. But he wasn't a big fan of big dogs, and most of the bear hunters in the eastern mountains weren't back in the day. And they used to give Dale Brandenburger a hard way to go because the old pioneer drum dog that won the first autumn oaks, he was a big dog. I'm talking about a big plot hound. He almost looked like a blood He animal. did, <laughs> in, a brindle, yeah. in a brindle hide. <laughs> yeah. But that, but you know what? There's something about that big, that big proud acting um, male dog, you know, that, that really yeah. does. It, when, when you uh, pull up to a hunt and you open the box, and you know how they're always standing around there at their tailgates kind of looking sideways at you, you know, when you get your, your stuff out of the box. And you clip him to the tailgate. You got one that gets out there and maybe throws a little grass back behind him and curls that tail yeah. up. And all. I always liked that, man. I liked a proud dog, you know. Well, I, don't I, hunted, know. I, hunted, I was raised in Charlotte down here, and, and I hunted them big dogs around there, and, and they did fine. But I can see when I moved to the swampland, like I said, in that country, a big dog's got the advantage. You know, because mm-hmm. that deep water. Yeah. Well, I can see up there where you was hunting in West Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, fifty pound dogs got the advantage. He's oh more yeah, agile, bouncing around. They're you know, agile and and they bounce around off the rocks. About, I had a little dog weighed about thirty thirty five pounds, and there wasn't nothing could outrun him. And we run him in them cornfields, and them big dogs come out there and lay down about half stroke. And he'd just be running like he wasn't <laughs> nothing to it. And he uh, was yeah. a good treat, though, but he he could fly. But I took him, I took him down there to the swamps, and and that rascal was swimming everything he was worth. I seen him; they come by, and he was kind of behind them. And we was on a bridge, and they come swimming across right there at the bridge. It was about four foot deep, and them big dog was bouncing across there, and he come across there. He he was killing himself, but he he stayed <laughs> with them. But they was running in front of him. And I said, well. When I moved down there, I knew I had to have a little bit different dog. I got you. I got you. Well, okay. Uh, I kind of t- touched on this a little bit earlier. And, Tom, don't mean to be leaving you out of the conversation oh, here, I'm but you, you jump in anytime you want to, buddy. But um, what about you? Do you like uh, 
the bigger dog? You like the small dog? What do you like? I like the bigger dogs too. You know, mm-hmm. we ain't got the kind of hunting like Jim and, and you had in West Virginia. I reckon it's a mix of both. We ain't got the mountains like y'all got, and we ain't got the swamps like Jim's got. But we have swamps and we have rolling hills. It's, you know, deep ravines and, and that'll come out into a swamp. And I've only been doing this for myself coming up on five years and the bigger dogs just seem to excel. They could, it ain't nothing, you know, nose wise or anything like that. It just seemed to move through that brush a little better than in little dogs. Anyway, uh, sometimes we got to get on our hands and knees and I don't know what it is. Them big dogs, man, they just like a bull in a China shop. They get through them swamps and mountain laurel and everything in between. And, now we've had small dogs that would do the same you know it's just i think it all goes back to personal preference you know you may like a big dog because he he looks better you might like a small dog because he looks better like i said it just it's all what the person wants and and how they were raised and we were always at least i was always raised on big dogs and uh dad had big dogs gordon had big dogs you know, we'd go visit Pete Barber and Jim Meeks and everybody else that had Yakin River dogs, and they just never had, you know, real small ones. Even the females, you know, Jim could tell you Shirley. Jim says Shirley looked and sounded like a male dog, and there's not too many people out there that can say they've had a female that fits that resemblance. So it's 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 awesome to see, you know, like I, I've said this too many times already, but the personal preference, what everybody goes back to, you know, like you were saying, your dad and all them, they like smaller dogs and, and I'm sure he's had big dogs, but I've always been raised on big dogs and they got to be white. You know, it's, it's just what we were <laughs> raised on and, and dad's always liked it. And Jim, you know, touched on it a little bit earlier when they, when uh, AJ bred to sailor's son, he threw them calico-eared and open-faced dogs. Well, that's what Dad and Gordon was looking for, you know. It, and that's what I was raised on. If, if a dog had a calico ear, you kept that dog. He, as a puppy, you know, he may not turn out, but that's what we was looking for. And all them dogs I hunted with when I was four to maybe ten, eleven years old, that was around here. They all had calico ears. They all had open-faced blazes and and. 90% white and big dogs, big boned, big mouths, just real good dogs to have around the house. You know, they was always gentle and I loved them, man. I, yeah, I, I used to beg my dad if somebody had a litter of pups around here, please take me over here and go see them pups. I got to go and play with them puppies and I, <laughs> I loved it, man. I'd lead them around the yard, they, they'd be dragging themselves all over the place. I probably least broke half a dad's dog just going out there playing with them. Well, a kid's the best thing in the world for a puppy, and and if you're lazy like I or, or busy, uh, a lot of times you can just put a leash on a pup, you know, and let him drag it around, you know, and that helps uh, get him used to being tied and so forth. Um, well, there's been other other lines of dogs that preferred those. You know, you think of the clover dogs. 
you know, the the stylish queen dogs and and those dogs like that that are typically, uh, you know, would come up with the calico ear, maybe a white eye or so. Was there ever, Jim? Was there ever any white eyed dogs in the Yadkin River dogs? I don't ever remember one. Okay. I've seen I've seen white eyed. I always call them blue eyed. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've you're seen right. Them. I, they was uh, certain crosses. You'd get them gray dogs instead of black. Mm-hmm. It'd be a Mouse gray. Yeah. Well, I did a little bit of studying the genetics over the years, you know, and the experts would call that blue dilution. It's a dilution of the – it's a weak black gene is what it is for the black spots on the walker dog. Uh, And it comes up in the plot dogs, too. They call them Maltese uh, brand oil. I registered a litter of puppies, and I sent the papers off, and I, there was two or three of them blue ones in there. And uh, they they sent my papers back and said they couldn't register them like that. Uh, I had to register them as uh, tricolor, black, white, and tan. And I said, these dogs are not black, they're gray. And I had put down gray. And they said, but you can't register them that way. I said, this is UK City. I said, so you want me to tell a lie? And say that this dog's black, and he ain't black. He's gray. Then when I go somewhere, they gonna say, "Well, that ain't that ain't the dog because he's supposed to be black." And they said, "Well, uh, gray is not a color." I said, "I said, what do you mean, not a color?" They said, "Gray is a dilute of the black." In other words, they just they literally told me that gray was not a color. I it's a light black. Gray. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they said it was a dil- it was a dilute color. They know such color as gray. I said okay. I said so you want me to put gray on these papers? Uh, I mean, mean black on yeah. these papers. They said yeah. I said okay. Oh, that'll, that's good as long as you told me to. But I never knew gray wasn't a color. <laughs> well, sometimes so that's, uh, some of them people yeah. saying you know. Uh, you didn't want to get a gray pup because you couldn't show him. Well, if that's if that's if that's a color they tell you that, that he's he's you know you can show him. I mean, he's not an off color. No, if, if that's you go right. By what they say? Yeah. Well, the judges are probably going to fault him. You know, it, yeah, that but, would be individual. You know, but yeah, technically, technically, right. Well, that's that's really interesting. What was the biggest dog since we've gotten on this size matters deal? What was the biggest <laughs> Yakin River dog uh, that you recall, Jim? Uh, I don't know. Probably Pistol Pete. Mm, okay. What about that one, Jim? That uh, the dude was holding of uh, next to Dusty. He was oh, real. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I bred Shirley to Chico and. I told you before about the six-month-old pup I carried up to Frank's. It was tree and cones, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah he was, that was the best litter of pups I ever raised in my life. And Clint Miller had one of them. He weighed one of, either his weighed 116 or 126 pounds. And Marvin Paget lives down toward the coast. He had the other one. One of them weighed 116, one of them weighed mm-hmm. 126 pounds. But, I mean, they was Marvin's. Now, Clint's was big and broad, but Marvin's, uh, I got pictures of him. If I can think next time, I'll take some or send you something or something. But he looked like a great dame. I mean, he was yeah. hound. He had long ears. He was a monster. And that son of a gun, 
he was three coons. I mean, he called him Muttley. I don't know if he called him that because he looked like a mud or what. Muttley. But he was, he was all hound. But I, I forgot about them dogs. But they was two of them dogs. That, now, the, the one I had called Blaze, he was probably a 60-pound dog, you know. Uh, you wouldn't even thought he was kin to them big old dogs. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of factors here that are, are uh, come in a, a lot, a, a way above my pay grade. But <laughs> you wonder where this comes from now, like, just like that pioneer drum dog that we mentioned before. Now, his mother uh, was a female called Full Cry Sue, and his sire was a dog called Ozark Chief. And they were both what you would call good-sized Plot dogs. Uh, yeah. Sue was probably bigger than most plot females you would see. But there's a picture on American Cooner magazine that I have always collected anything that had to do with plots down through the years. And these are pictures from back in the 50s. Uh, no, probably 60s. And there's one of them of Dale Brandenburger with all his dogs and his brother Carl. And they've got all their coonhounds tacked to a barn wall. And there's about a dozen plots across the, that they're holding, uh, you know, just lined up across a really great picture. And here's Drum, man. He's he's head and shoulders taller than anything in that bunch. Yeah. But, but here, think about this. I spent three years in Japan, okay? Typically, the Asian people are shorter than Americans, okay? We're usually bigger people than they are. But you see these kids coming along, and well, look at Otani, the baseball player. Mm-hmm. He he's as far as I know, I didn't check his DNA, but I'd say he's a hundred percent Asian, you know, uh, Japanese. I I would say, and look how tall, what a big, uh, strapping young man he is, you know. Right, a- and is so. I don't know how to put my finger on the, the the cause you know jim you've mentioned my dad many times and i appreciate right. that so much he just we just uh, celebrated his uh, 104th birthday if he'd if wow. he'd been with us uh, actually tom he passed in uh, 2008 at 88 okay. years of age but he was born in 1920 and he dad was about five six maybe six and a half okay uh i'm not a big man i'm stretching to hit five eight and a half to nine my son is six two uh you know he, of course on his mother's side of the family there were uh some tall people. And then on my dad's side of the family, him being six feet tall, or not six feet, five foot six, he told me that he had ants that were over six feet tall. So, you know, we really don't know where these go, these dogs go back to, you know, like that. But uh, people are always quick, oh, well, that's got this in it or that in it or, you know, but we don't know that. You know, unless well, we were think, there when we bred them, we don't know. I'm sure uh, that when you was going to school, just like I, when I was going to school, I was 5'10", and mm-hmm. I'm about 5'9". Now you do shrink as you get older. Yeah. But I was an average-sized person in the school. They were some six-footers, 
but they wasn't no big tall guys. And you look out there now at high school, they some six ten, six eleven high school kids out there playing basketball. I know they're going to have to raise the goals to get my yeah, interest. Yeah, school, you know, I don't know how how everybody got, like you say, so big. Because when we was in school, we we just average average people. That about everybody was about the same height. There was some shorter ones, and some a little bit taller. But we didn't have no we didn't have no six five or six six. You know, yeah. We had one guy in high school. He might have been six five, but that was one guy. All right. And now them schools, you look at them, you look at them high school basketball games when they're having the finals and all the oh, monsters yeah. in there. Well, you look our good friend Mark Zepp. You know, Mark's no shorty. Yeah. You know, and and his wife Amber is about six feet or so, I think. And their yeah. son Wyatt. Uh, I don't know exactly how tall Wyatt is, but he's a big boy. He's tall. I think yeah. he's as tall or taller than his dad. And mm. uh, of course, he's tearing the basketball courts up up there in Indiana, mm. which is great. Right. And he's got already gotten a ride to college, and also real happy for them. But, but yeah, it's it's hard to figure. You know, well, I guess it's in the nutrition a lot of it. Um, but if you look back in history, uh, I I use this example. Um, People are living a lot longer today, and you touched on this, Jim. You know, way back in the day, uh, if a man lived to be in his 40s, he was, uh, you know, he'd had a long life. Right. I look back in the ancestry of my mother's family, and I've said this many times, and I don't mean to beat this horse, but I'm, uh, I come down from the Feudin Hatfields. On my mother's side, my grandpa always said we weren't related to them at all, but we are because he his line went right back to the brother, uh, to a brother of uh, Devil Ants's line. They yeah. they were cousins, you know, uh, way down the line. But one of them in my mother's line lived to be a hundred and twelve years old, and my mother lived to be a hundred years old. And she had wow. a sister that lived to be 97 years old. So, you know, I don't know. It, it's kind of like this climate change thing to me. I mean, it, I think it just goes in cycles, and things just yeah. line up a certain way. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to guess that it's nutrition maybe that makes these bigger dogs. But, you know, we talked about uh, uh, big females, and uh, that surely being a big female. You know, Randy Smith up there, his females are good size, most of them. That Sue right. female he had, that uh, Jill female, the the Bella female, they're all good size females. And, uh, you know, I like that. I In the plot breed, we were getting too small. The females were yeah. getting too small, you know, 35 pounds, some of them, you know. Well, I think the reason I, I had big dogs is because I like big dogs. Yeah, and and I kept big dogs, and when I bred, I bred the dog. I didn't breed them because they were big or little. I bred the dogs I liked, but they was big dogs, you know. Mm -hmm. And after you breed big dogs for so long, you pretty well gonna start getting big dogs. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it kind of works that way. Well, Did they say a big dog's slow, and I said, I said, well, I've seen big dogs run. I mean, just just could fly. And I got to thinking about that. You know, you 
you think you see some of these big old guys, you say, well, you know, he's slow as mud. I can people look at the big dogs at the hunts. And I'm thinking, well, I think that's an individual thing. I think that's the heart and the drive Bingo. of the dog. Because you can be have the same litter, and one of them will be a flash. I'm talking about fly, and the other be good, be fast, but nothing extra special. That's right. And if being big made you slow, them big old linebackers and stuff couldn't run them little halfbacks <laughs> down. That's, that's, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's it's, right. it's the heart and the drive for them. It is for sure. Absolutely, for sure. Uh, well, we could talk about this thing uh, and, and beat it to death, you know. But, uh, Jim, what was your favorite down through the years? Your, which dog? If you could just have one and you could clone him and you could bring him back and I, you could hunt him. I, I couldn't tell you. It was different times in my life. When I had Tom, I lived in Charlotte. And uh, and he was perfect. You could you could send him one way, and he was a medium hunter, but he didn't walk nowhere. He would he would make a big circle and come back, and you could just send him the other side of the road and let him go that way. And I hunted him, I hunted him all around in the edges of town, and he was he was perfect for that. And the first time I took him down to swamp country, he was just like he was raised down there. Well, the Jeff dog, he was the same way. I mean, it would be at the time. Tom was the best dog I ever hunted with at that time. And I wish he would have been around later with some of the other dogs just to compare. Because, you know, you can say, the only thing wrong with having a good dog is he don't he don't never get no rest because after after he dies, everything you get after that, you'll say, well, old Spot would have done this. I wish we had a Spot. He'd have done this. Mm-hmm. Well, on the same night, the same conditions and the same weather and the same everything, Old Spot might not have been no better than nothing else you had out there. But I just, at different times in my life, I had dogs. But by far, by far, the best dog I ever hunted with was Champ. I, don't, I, I never hunted with nothing even comparable to him. But I had dogs I liked just as much as him. And I had a couple that I probably enjoyed hunting as much as him. Uh, the Shirley dog, I really like her. I like Chico. Um uh, I, I, Jeff, Jeff was a real dog. He was a super dog in them swamp. But uh, like a lot of people, like A.J. Wright said, a lot of people, they go hunting with Jeff and they hear him tree and all. They don't realize what kind of track dog he is. He just, he'd take a track, him dog was walking and bowling, and he'd take it, go like he's running down the white line in the middle of the highway. I mean, he could fly with it in any conditions. <laughs> Tom, well, I want to go, I, don't you? Don't you want to go with him, Tom? Uh, don't you want to be I out there a, right now listening to I that song? I need a time machine. <laughs> but I just, you know, I just, I had certain dogs at certain times. The best dog I ever had was Champ, bar none. I, and I had a little dog. Uh, the man I was glad to about him. I, I, well, I mean, I had a little dog called Belle, a female. Oh, and uh, I liked her as, as much as anything I had. And uh, man sprayed the uh, the back of behind the house and got stuff in her water. I guess she died of kidney failure, seven year old. What about I, I, I had a little mixed up dog. That's what I was fixing to say. <laughs> I had a little mixed up dog. Uh oh, mixed about, up. He's about mm. the size of a fox. <laughs> you, you see his footprint in the dirt. It looked like a little gray fox come through there. 
That's the one I was telling you. Them dogs would be come out and fell down, couldn't get their breath, and he'd just be singing in there. But when you, especially when you got him in them cornfields that's grown up with morning glory, you know, oh boy, you yeah. can't walk through them. <laughs> but he just, he, he'd make a big dog suffer in there. But yeah. he was he was as good a dog as I ever hunted with other than Champ. I mean, he was a real dog. Was he a walker he dog a or was, was he a houndy no, dog? No, he, he was yeah. a beagle and blue tick cross. Okay. And he looked like about a 17-inch beagle. I got you. He was real fine bone, great old big mouth. Alan Shue told the many people, and if you talk to many people around much, he told the many people that, he had to go hunting with a beagle to see what a coon dog was. <laughs> tell him about when you <laughs> took him to them hunts. Do what? I said, tell him about when you took him to them hunts. Oh, yeah. Me and AJ <laughs> go to the hunts. Well, he was hunting register dogs, and I was hunting him. He's a great dog. Everybody be laughing at him, laughing. What you doing with the beagle? And one of the big guys in the Southeastern Association, I'm not going to say his name, but he was, he was one of the big guys in there. I, I run up to him at a hunt. And I had that dog with me, and he said, uh, what is that? And I said, it's a beagle. He said, well, what are you doing with him? I said, I've come to hunt. He said, well, why are you hunting with a beagle? I said, well, they told me to bring a dog, and this is all I got. And they said, he said, well, he tree. I said, what's that? I'd never met him before. He said, well, he tree. I said, what's that? He said, what do you mean, what's that? I said, this is a rabbit dog. And he went to cast. He just didn't hardly lose a cast. I mean, he was he was a cool dog. First yeah. Serious, solid, broke dog that I ever seen. Never run. We couldn't. I sicked him on possums. He wouldn't run nothing. But we come in from the hunt. You know, back then they had more great dogs than did register dogs. Oh, yeah. We'd come in from the hunt, and I'd get a trophy of some sort every time. And them guys been sitting around talking trash about him. Wouldn't have no trophy. And A.J. would get up there and loud mouth Where's your trophy? What do you mean? What? A man over here with a rabbit dog got a trophy, and you can't get a trophy. Oh, he just—he made everybody want to fight. And Jim would carry him under his arm, to my knowledge, if I ain't yeah. wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I had more fun with that dog, just having fun and laughing. It's well, you don't have to be big to be good in the coon dog world. I've known That's a few right. that way. In fact, uh, Jim, uh, I'll ask you, did you ever meet Fred Bright? The black and tan no. man. He was uh, from up around Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then he moved. Uh, he he's down around in the Macon, Georgia area now. And I remember uh, his ads. Yeah, and he he uh, was on the Purina advisory committee, and Fred and I got to be good friends. In fact, uh, he set up a deal that we had for years at the Winter Classic in Albany, Georgia, where we went out and hunted on the. Uh, uh, a big plantation out there that was just an awesome place to hunt. And I got a, a voicemail from him here uh, a day or two ago, and I've got to call him back. But he had a poodle cross, uh, and she was just a little black dog. And, and she was and something was a else. Cross. Poodle and black and tan. <laughs> and, okay. and, and she wasn't curly-haired like a poodle. She was... Uh, pretty slick-haired, as I remember. But I did get to hunt with her down there at on that plantation and all. But there was one there. And Duran Link there in North Carolina, 
uh, ran yeah. a lot of PKC hunts with a little dog there, a little black and, and tan-looking yeah. dog. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't remember her name right now. Uh, and, and I know I, the dog. Yeah, shoot. Oh, yeah, yeah. So anyway, um, you, you know, they, you don't have to be – the old saying is it's not the size of the fight or, or the, the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And right. it gets back to that heart that you talked about, Jim, you know, if they've got the <laughs> desire and heart and all. Well, we sure got off on a rabbit path there. Uh, yeah. Well, I, I want to say um, we were talking about lion breeding and stuff and, and how AJ wouldn't do it. And then there's other people that would. We got a, a male dog here named Kane that me and my buddy David Bailey hunt almost nightly, if not every other night. He's doing the real deal. And uh, just a little history on him to kind of promote Jim's dogs, I guess. Well, his daddy is a great-grandson to Crowder. Well, Crowder's off Jeff. So then you look on his mama's side, his granddaddy's Blaster. Well, Blaster's a grandson to Jeff. Or, yeah, a grandson to Jeff. So it, it's awesome to see how these dogs just line up and, and breed well and and continue to have the ability that them old dogs did. You know, there ain't nothing nowhere close to champ. But it's it's... I don't even I'm at loss of words to to say the least that I've been blessed to have the the support system I've had within the past few years of this bloodline, you know, as I'm taking it on and, and trying to figure things out for myself and seeing all the stuff that Jim bred coming back up real close. I think that is just the coolest thing in the whole wide world is, is seeing all them old dogs real up close because you get some people where they'll say, uh, he's got, let's just use, for example, he's got Lipper in his pedigree 80 times. Or, you know, I, Jim says, it like, I got a dog off of Jeff. Well, he's 10 or so generations back there. And then you look at dogs of today that people have actually really kept up with and, and bred tight and doing it the right way. You know, it's not brother and sister crosses or mom and son crosses or anything like that. But you keep it tight and you keep it. <laughs> right most times anyway and uh i think it's very cool to see how those dogs of today go back to them old dogs just so tight and a lot of people say well sorry i'm all over the place anyway but a lot of people will say i got this dog in my pedigree with 10 15 times well that dog's way back there and then we got dogs a lot of people that breed lipper or rattler or any dog that is a higher name dog. Um, they have them up close breedings, and that's what really drives me to continue trying to breed this line. Is is seeing how tight we can get it to where it ain't messing up and where it's still working for the people that's all over the world. You know, it ain't it ain't just me hunting Yak and River. You know, there's a lot of people that go into it, and a lot of good friends of mine and Jim's as well, and even yours, Steve. That have this Yak and River bloodline, and, and they're real happy with it. And mm -hmm. I think it's made a lot of people happy for a lot of years. So well, as long as I can continue to do that, it's uh, it'll be pretty cool to see what the future holds as far as breeding these Yak and River dogs. I, I sure do love it. And like I said earlier in the podcast, it's it's a genuine addiction. 
you get addicted to it. You can't shake it. You know, there's plenty of people I've heard over the years, they get out of hunting because the kids are growing up or start a new job. Well, when that job's over, them kids are grown. Man, I'm getting the itch to go coon hunting again. Anybody got a dog for sale or a pup for sale? So it never leaves. It's always in you. And, and that that's what gets me going is you go every night, you see that dog progress or you see a coon and, and you ain't seen one in a week or two or treat hollows or anything like that. And you see a coon or see multiple coons or see a young dog do real good. And that just fires me up, man. I, mm. I, I'd i imagine y'all feel the same way, you know, when y'all was hunting real hard. Jim still hunts. That That is awesome. He he went four nights last week at 80 years old. And Jim, you're making me real, look good, bad, buddy. You're going to have to slow a down kid. a little. <laughs> well, y'all go ahead. I just wanted to, to plug that in there and say that the dogs that we got here today, in my kennel at least, and, and several other kennels that people have gotten pups from me, they, uh, they're they real well-bred, and it's thanks to Jim and my uncle and, you know, all them people across the world that took dogs to Champ and Chico and Jeff. I just, I'd like to personally thank them without even knowing them. Just, I appreciate all the, the work that they've done and put in for the future and I reckon they knew I'd come. I would be coming along. They didn't know who I was or what I'd be about, but they sure did pave a way for me to to have success. You know, a lot of people get a dog and they start over. They don't know what goes back to it or this, that, and the other. Well, I can go out there and ask my dad, what's this dog? You know, what he do? Or call Jim and ask him. And it's awesome to have, mm -hmm. you know, outreaches like that to call oh, people yeah. and, and, and find out – what's this dog doing or what did he do? How is he bred likes or dislikes? And then I could base my opinion on that. Right. So I don't think, I don't think a whole lot of people that are older than me that have been doing this a lot longer than I have, um, really think that I'm serious about it or, or I don't know the right definition about it. Um, uh, well, let me interrupt you here, Tom, here, you know, ahead, obviously you're a young man that, that, uh, with a, on a mission, so to speak, you know, you've, you found your love as a hobby and uh, a lifestyle and man, I, it's great. It's great. And I wish that there were more like you out there. Uh, there's something to be said by people, for instance, uh, Winston Aaron that we just had the tri tribute to. Mr. Aaron was 90 years old when he passed and uh, he was still hunting. Uh, one or two nights a week. Uh, but it, his claim to fame was not winning the world hunt three right. times in a row like James Merchant. Uh, he wasn't, uh, his claim to fame wasn't winning $100,000 or uh, a, a, a trailer full of pickup trucks. Uh, you know, he bred dogs and he had a, a goal. And if you listen to the podcast, when his uh, protégés there, the boys that hunted with him, with him since they were very young, I would tell you that he, in his last days on this earth, he tried to encourage those boys to keep breeding the line, keep it going, keep um, trying to improve as what he called the brains on these dogs. He was very much mm. about smart dogs. Jim, um, yeah. man, 
you know, I couldn't imagine a coonhound world without my buddy Jim Meeks. But you and me are not getting any younger. Uh, and no. we're not going to be able to do this forever. We all know this. It's like my pastor at church says, you know, all of us, you know, there's 100% mortality in this building, he'd say, yeah. you know. So what are your hopes going forward for these dogs that you've invested a lifetime in? Well, I just I just like to see people keep it going, just like. Just like you're saying, I'd like to see people, young or old, it wouldn't matter. I just like to see people keep it going and and mainly don't breed just for papers. Whatever you breed, if whatever line of dogs you breed, uh, breed good dogs. Don't breed them just mm-hmm. because they got all kind of titles. Uh, these dogs with titles are super dogs, and these dogs that win the money that's super dogs, you know, they they ain't they ain't complete idiots and win all the stuff they win. Uh, but don't breed, don't just breed dogs to sell puppies or whatever. Just breed good dogs. Whatever line of dogs you breed, breed good dogs. Uh, if you breed them dogs that don't start till they're two years old, ain't right. no sense you want puppies that start at six months old. You're getting what you're breeding for. And, uh, yeah. Uh, that's a, that's well, you know, well, well, Jim, I don't know from where you sit, but it seems to me like, that better dogs are being bred because the public's better informed. You know, it it was nothing, I guess, back in the day, somebody get a world champion, they'd buy buy up every walker female in the country, just raise pups and sell out of them, whether she'd been proven or not, you know. Or there was a lot of dogs that were just bred to just to get pups because of a title. But I think the the coon hunter today is a little more discriminating than that. I think they want to know more about the dog. Now, you can sell puppies nowadays, and you can sell them for prices that were unheard of when you yeah. and I were back uh, breeding some dogs, Jim. You know, I mean, it's unreal what some of these pups are bringing. And, and I say that's good. I do. Uh, you know, you say, well, the poor old boy can't afford to, to buy a puppy anymore. Well, I, I say that he can. You know, he may have to save his his uh, soda bottles a little bit or something to, 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 <laughs> to raise the money. But I believe better dogs are being bred today. You said before, Jim, they're not the same dogs that we had no. back in the day. They are not. And, you know, I look back at some of the dogs I had over the years, and I'd love to be a, young enough to follow them and have them back again. I really would. But, uh, uh, you know, I think it's a different market now. But I've always been a proponent of, of what I call line breeding or family yeah. breeding dogs. You know, I never went crazy with it, breeding mama. Uh, uh, I never, you know, tried intensively uh, intensively to uh uh you know breed full brother and sister and that sort of right. thing but uncle nieces loved it grandfather granddaughter loved those crosses yep. had good luck with those with my dogs that's what i did yeah yeah i'll tell it, you something else yeah. though that people don't understand uh if you take the pay scale that people was working for 
back when me and you was 30. So. Sound like somebody's guard dogs on, dude. Today, they're really not paying no more for the dogs, you know, right. percentage-wise of what they was making. Yeah. But you take dogs now, uh, if you get the right puppy, you can make money on that rascal. If Whether you like the hunts or not, if it's the right puppy, you, you can sell him and make some money on I don't think you ever make any money if you paid yourself a dollar an hour for all the time you spent with him training him, but uh, you can you can sell a dog now and get some money out of him. And uh, but you just think you think what it costs to raise pups now. If you take if you take a dog to the vet, as they they worse than a human vet, a doctor. You take them oh, to yeah. and charge you darn. Uh, Charge you for the visit and everything else with it. Well, so just people got more in dog, but they're still ridiculous with the prices. Yeah, just go into a partnership with a couple of dogs like I am and see those bills that yeah. come in every month. <laughs> <laughs> dog food, vet up. bills, and, and dog food's um, crazy now. Crazy yeah. expensive. But, uh, well, fellas, uh, you know, I, I think. Um, that you know we've got a good good deal going here jim with this young man right here and others like him that like that line of dogs are willing to invest the time and and the effort and that's basically what it comes down to and i you know i was going to let you brag on your dogs a little bit tom i know you've got one or two that you're you're liking a lot and i and i i do want you to to tell us about them but i just think it's great uh like mark summerall summerall and and ricky campbell out there in mississippi that are going to continue on the efforts of mr aaron uh and different ones like that Uh, i regret uh that i was not able to keep the line of bear dogs going that my dad had uh, he invested a life in it, but it was a labor of love with him. He rarely ever sold a dog or a puppy. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, the way I worked and, and the way I had to move around, uh, it just didn't work for me. And I wish I could have, you know, and I wish I'd had the foresight to collect semen on those dogs. And it brings up a question, Jim. Did you collect any of those old dogs? No, and. I had several people say it'd pay for it if I do it. I just said I'm not doing it now. Sometimes you make bad decisions you don't know about till later. <laughs> you can look back on some of hindsight's no, twenty twenty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Tom, what are you hunting right now? Without giving you know uh, making me write a check here, uh, <laughs> what what you got out there that that you're liking? So I got. Helen and she's off a of merchant's tree blaster and a lipper female. And uh I got a son to her. How old is Helen? Helen will be four in April, so it's okay. she's she's coming up on four. Okay. And uh I got a son off of her named Kane. And uh Yeah, he'll I be see you talking July. about him on on uh social media. Well, I think the only reason he's any good is because Jim put his hands on him when he was eight weeks old. <laughs> <laughs> he anointed and, uh, him, did he? Yeah. yeah, that's all it was. That's all yeah. it was. Uh-huh. Uh, he's doing good, you know, for he's only a year and a half old. And uh, just as any dog, you're going to have ups and downs. And some nights he'll 
get on a track and not finish it. But me and Jim was talking last night. Me and Jim stayed on the phone for two hours and like 45 minutes last night. And here I got and, you for uh, another hour and a half already. Oh, I here, just <laughs> I, I talked to Jim and you for hours if I could. And, uh, yeah, so we were talking and talking about Kane and all them other dogs. And he said, you know, some dogs will get on tracks and they can't handle them. Well, that, that's true. Sometimes Kane will do that. And Jim said he likes a dog to come back, you know, rather than stay in there and boo-hoo and baller on a track. Well, mm-hmm. Kane does that. He, he's got a tremendous handle. You put the tailgate down, he's loaded up. There ain't no, come on, buddy, come on, load up. You ain't got to do that. You know, if he's on a track, it don't matter if it's a coon, a possum, fox, deer, whatever he's on. If you hit that tone button and call his name, he will be back at your feet. Mm-hmm. Man, and, those uh, tone tone buttons are a godsend, oh, aren't they? Yes, they are. Yeah, I wouldn't go <laughs> hunting if I didn't have a tracking collar. I don't know how y'all fellas did it back in the day. I, we just I tougher than we're just tougher, they, aren't we, Jim? Uh, what they really need to feel is how it feels when you ain't got no shock and call, and you got to run him down and put your hand in his collar to get him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Something he's not telling you, Steve, that, that little cane dog, uh, I, I don't take no credit for what Tom's made out of him. He's, he's got all that. That little cane dog is three and a half months old, three squirrels, and I ain't talking about drags and hang-ups. I had him here, and at three and a half months old, he tree squirrels, and I had a mate to him there with him, and the mate to him wasn't treeing yet, and he'd be just wandering around, and that little cane dog, he'd go back there and tree a squirrel and however long you wanted to sit there before you went to him, it didn't matter. He never shut it down. He just treed solid. And so he was a <laughs> born natural tree dog. And then Tom uh, got him and made him what he is. But is he, he a tree dog like old tree? Train them to, you can't train them to do that. That dog that goes down and trees that game, and you ain't got to do nothing with him. Mm. You, I, I've always told people you can get dogs and, you you can hang a coon up in a tree or do this or do that, and you get him to run and all that stuff. But when he's a half a mile there by himself, you can't get him to locate no tree. He's either got it or he don't. He might run it in there, but he's got to have some he's got to have some natural ability to get in there and find the tree. Yeah, that's for sure. Is he a tree dog like old Tree Blaster was? No, yes, he's a good. <laughs> he's, I'd say he's a good solid tree dog. Yeah, he got a good mouth, but he's just—he just—I mean, he's a pressure tree dog. It don't matter what they do. He when he trees, he's treed. That's it. Yes, sir. Oh yeah. I told Jim, uh, him and his mama split last weekend, and I could have laid down in between each tree and touched the tree, one with my foot, one with my hand, and both of them had a coon. Yeah. And <laughs> he, he was just not he, moving, he, anchored down. Right. And I, like I said, I've only been doing this for five years for myself. I've done it all my life, but, you know, for myself, um, he's the best dog I've owned. That's, that's, and that's, that's a lot mm-hmm. to say for a year-and-a-half-old puppy. Yeah. But he's, he is tough. My gosh, he is tough. You know, some dogs you can get on, and they'll just whimper and get underneath the truck, and they'll be done. You could do anything you wanted to cane, and the second you pull him out of that box and turn him loose, He's gone, and he's going to get treed somewhere. And we, me and David, we hunt right regular. And we walked 900, a half a mile, a mile to him. And we took a boy from work, and I hope I ain't 
you know, going on too long about this, but we took a boy from work last weekend. He said, how in the world do you get that dog to stay in there by himself and just treat? And I, I didn't really have nothing to say. You know, I said, that's just how he's bred. And I come home and dad said, that's the trick, ain't it? He said, if you can get a dog staying there by himself and tree and have a coon, and he just does it. And I told the boy from work, I said, uh, I said, that joker would sit there and tree till I come and got him. It didn't matter if it was tomorrow or next week. He'd get tired, but he'd stay there and tree. <laughs> He's getting to sound like old Kelly Bragg when them dogs treat for three days and had a, <laughs> had a path dug down to the creek where they've been going right, to get one. Right. <laughs> no, yes, I hear what you're saying, Tom, and you get, you know, uh, oh, good. And he's just two years old, right? Yeah, he ain't quite there yet. Yeah. Well, you he's know, my way. buddy, in fact, I I weaseled in on this dog. He's got a dog over there called Clyde there in Virginia. And, and uh, he's just two. Well, I guess he'll be three in July. But I call him the coon vending machine because you just throw That's him in the put him in the dark and you're going to see a coon if they're if they're moving, or a pretty good layup dog too. But uh, he makes his mistakes. But he started figuring them bad tracks out a lot better. He he was just what I considered a hundred percent ambush. You know, he was just going to go find a coon that you were going to see. And it right. was going to be there, and he's the same way. I guess he'd stay about all night. But when you get one like that, you appreciate it. You respect it. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but, uh, Jim, you don't have a favorite, you said, but you had some that you liked in different parts of the country. They seem to perform better, and I think that's a good answer because they aren't all the same, and they don't all work the same. Uh, and it's we we move dogs nowadays get moved around the country. It's crazy, you know. A guy will yeah. buy a dog, and I'll call a dog hauler, and they'll haul that dog a thousand miles, and they'll get him out of the crate and flip him out there in the dark, you know. <laughs> the best thing I know to say about that, Russell Beller told me. He said, he said, you know, Jim. He said, we get dogs from south up here. And he said, they'll look like a million dollars down there, and they get up here in all these fences, and they look like a fool. And he said, but the biggest thing you got to have, he said, it don't matter how good a dog is or how sorry he is or whatever. He said, you got to have a dog that you can haul 500 miles and take him out of the truck and cut him loose, and he'll go hunting tree a coon. He said, if he don't do that, and you're planning on hunting him, he's a hunt, you're, you're wasting your time. Yeah. He yeah. said, how a dog takes that hauling, and I went out there and old Striker was laying in the box sleeping and all them dogs out there barking on the fairground all over the place. And I said, I believe your dog's dead. He said, no, he ain't dead. He's just <laughs> resting. He said, he'll get up tonight. And uh, I hunted with him two or three times. He got up for sure. But just like he said, if if he can't stand that hauling, you, he ain't no competition dog. Just like you saw about like John Strickland. He's in New York tonight, in Texas tomorrow, in Canada. And, oh, yeah. And, and, you know, if them dogs can't take that hauling. Oh, yeah, what, for sure. They ain't going to do nothing. And most of them can't take it. Yeah, that's true. And and I tell this to young people and, and new hunters. When I say young people, I don't necessarily – there's no age limit. There's guys getting into the sport that are they're older. They're older than you are, Tom, uh, you know, that are just getting in. And, uh, right. 
you know, you just gotta, you just gotta kind of learn your dog. You gotta kind of want to spend time with that dog. Let that dog know what he needs to do to please you. Let him know it. You know, uh, be be kind to him. You don't have to be jerking around and beating around on the dog all the right. time. Uh, actually, if you live with the dog, I heard somebody's little dog barking there a while ago. I guess that was yours, Jim. Uh, but yeah. we got one here, a dachshund. If you live with a dog, you see how smart they are. You oh, see yeah. how much they key off of your feelings and your moods and your attitudes. And coonhounds are no different. Coonhounds, to me, are one of the smartest animals out there. You know, every once in a while you get one, you can tell the light's on, but nobody's home. But not very, <laughs> not, not very often, you know. Most of the time, these dogs are pretty doggone smart, and they figure things out, and they figure us out. Figure. <laughs> Figure us out too. You know they know when we're having a good day or a bad one, and uh, uh, you know when you if you're uh, a guy that's getting into coon hunting and you've got all the equipment and you got the train button right there under your thumb, <coughs> and you want the dog in, so you push the the button to bring him in, and then the next time you drop him, he don't want to leave, so you push the button to make him go hunting. And and then when you get to the tree, you want him to stand on the tree, and he's jumping, and so you push the button and, and, and you know, or whatever. What does that dog know? Man, every time I get around this guy, I got pain. You know, right. I don't know what's going on. I can't figure this out. You know, the world want, is a bad, bad place. It hurts. So I want Jim to tell you about it, and sorry to cut you off. No, that's all right. I need somebody to cut me off every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I want Jim to tell you about it, but you talking about how smart dogs are and how much they feed off your energy and, and how you're feeling during the day. I'll let Jim explain it, but I want Jim to tell you how Chant used to look at him and and – you know, when he was a little puppy and he could just tell, you know. So, Jim, you wouldn't mind telling us how Champ would well, look at you. Well, it, 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 it was Champ, but it wasn't especially Champ. Uh, I know Steve said, seen the same thing. A lot of times you can look at them young dogs and you can just look in their eyes and, and see what's going on. And you can tell if a dog, if, it, if it, a smart dog, you know, he notices everything. He's not just acting a fool like that. And uh, I think you, if you just sit around and watch a dog, watch him, watch how he acts and everything, you can pretty, it ain't promising he's going to be a coon dog or a fox right. dog or whatever, but you can see if that rascal's got brains, if he's thinking or if he's just out there being an idiot, you know. Uh, I'm sure you've seen the same thing in the dogs your daddy had. Uh, oh, for sure, if if you're speaking to me, Jim. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, intelligence, and we talked about that with uh, on the episode about Wimp Aaron, about how that was, you know, all the good dogs that I remember in my experience, you know, that I owned or hunted with several nights were smart dogs. You know, right. they figured things out. They, uh, I see, I still see 
posts and people complaining about these pacers in the kennel that just poop at the gate and jump up and down in it all day and 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 pee in their water bucket and and all that and and i know young dogs will do that from time to time but those dogs in my mind my dad used to tell me we'd be going through the country somewhere coon hunting and we'd pass a farmhouse and a dog would come out and run us all the way out of sight and my dad would say a dog that'll run a chase a car is mentally ill (laughs) 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 he he, he believed that now i mean when dad told you something now whether it was right or wrong if he if he told you he believed it (laughs) well that's like when you go to a hunt them dogs that's now out there and bark all day long they ain't barking at nothing they just bark Mm -mm. yeah Uh, i can't handle that I know you got to work on them for sure. And thank goodness people like Garmin and others make those bark collars. If you've got one, that tends to be that way. But, uh, yeah, you want them, you know, ideally, I think we're all the same. You like them nice and quiet in the box. You know, yeah. some of my favorite dogs down through the years, when I traveled all those miles in the motorhomes with UKC, uh, you know, I'd have dogs that I'd just uh, put in the motorhome. They'd go up and get under the table and lay down, make a bed, and lay there. And I'd, I'd get to uh, the motel, and I'd go in the back. They didn't know I even had a dog with me. And I'd go <laughs> in the side door and go in the room and... and uh, They'd pick which bed they wanted, and they'd jump up on that bed and curl up, and they'd be right there the next morning, you know. And uh, those kind of things, those kinds of dogs. But at the same time, when you took them out there and pulled up, you know, to a drop in the woods was a, a half a quarter, as they say in Illinois, in there, and you aimed them and fired them, they'd be in there and be struck before you could get your light on, you know. And those are all the kind of things that you really appreciate in a dog, or I do, anyway. Fellas, yeah, man, we have we have burned up an hour and thirty eight <laughs> minutes of time that we'll never get back. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, Jimmy. What's going on, man? We didn't. I want to talk to you boys just a little bit about your Grand American experience. I didn't get to see you much. I saw you there at the gate. As I think, as we either were either coming in or going out one, uh, maybe the first day. And I knew you. You had some surgery. What was that all about? I had well. Oh, I didn't actually have no surgery. No, okay. I had a, I had a, my heart run away back at me and David and Tom there was going down to my friends in South Carolina and hunt the cornfields. It was 11th of July and we was leaving the next morning. Well, I was due to have a physical okay. to that day. So I went there to have a physical and he asked me, he said, how you feel? I said, fine. He said, your heart fluttering or something? I said, no. He said, do you feel tired? I said, hey, nothing wrong with me. He <laughs> said, well, uh, your heart rate's 180 Woo. right now. So he, uh, I, I didn't get to go on my hunt and make a long story short. So they kept me in the hospital a couple of days trying to get everything going right. And, uh, it, so I missed the whole corn season. Mm-mm. And then when season come in, they was trying to get it straightened out. I couldn't get it straightened out. And then my blood pressure would be a 190 over 100 today 
and like six six hours later it'd be a hundred and twenty over sixty, and at one time it was ninety over thirty, mm. and and it and then it would jump way up, and then about the time hunting season come in, I hurt my right arm. I didn't know what was, I didn't know what was wrong. I just know to hurt it, mm. and I finally went I finally went to see a orthopedic right before Christmas and. What I've done, I've tore my right bicep muscle, mm. but he said it wasn't tore completely loose from the the bone. So, but he said, "Ain't nothing I can give you. You just got to let it rest till it gets better." So, I've been hunting, trying not to, trying not to grab nothing with that. <laughs> and uh, but other than that, it's it ain't been no bad. I just hate I missed that cornfield hunt. Well, I mean, got this summer. Yeah, yeah, that's coming up. It. These uh, these years, my dad said, you know, once I got to be uh, 50, the years would fly by, and he's right. They're like a dag on, uh, you know, power line poles on the interstate, you know. I mean, yeah. uh, but, uh, well, did, did uh, you came down, Tom, and you had your friend there with you, and I've already uh, forgotten his name. What was the young man that was with you? His David name? Bailey. David Bailey, right. right. For lack of better words, uh, we call him Dead Eye Dave because he, he can knock them coons out. <laughs> oh, he's the shooter, huh? Right. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that comes in handy. I could have used him at the White River. Does it, <laughs> Do you rent him out? <laughs> yeah, you have to talk with him. I think he's got you know nightly prices or something. Yeah, I heard you. Yeah, I had to. I don't know that I had to, but I bought a new light at Grand American off Ray Conrad because I was just having trouble this year at the White River getting, you know, I, I see a coon's eye in the tree and then try to locate him and try to get the scope and my light and everything all lined up and all. I was having a terrible time. Uh, it's just part of that aging process, and uh, it's frustrating. But anyway, I... Uh, uh, I had a good time. Uh, you know, we oh, yeah. we were there at the booth. Now, Tom, I believe you came by. But, Jim, I don't know. Did I see you at, at, at the Full Cry booth? No, I came by there two or three times. You wasn't there neither time I come by. Sure. Yeah, you was there one time. I stood there and talked to somebody a few minutes, but you was talking to two guys there. Yeah. And uh, y'all was pretty much into it, so we went on. Then when we come back by, you wasn't there. I see. But we had a ball. I get to see people there that I don't never get to see except at Orangeburg every year. Right. And and that means a lot, you know. Well, that, a lot of them that I know that wasn't there this year that ain't here to be there no more. That if I hadn't yeah. went last year, I wouldn't have known them, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. And that that is the sad part as we get older. That, you know, there's always going to, well, I guess at any age, there's going to be some that don't make it. You know, they, yeah. we never know when uh, the last one is, uh, uh, you know, when, when we're going to see our last one. I right. mentioned in this podcast that's running this week, I said, it's like, a, a, I said, a coon is a pretty happy animal. He goes mm. about his life. He, he he uh, gets to do pretty much anything he wants, and he only has one bad day, and he don't know when that's coming. You know. There you go. <laughs> yes, sir. So you know. Yeah. So we never know, but uh, it's always good to see friends, and that's why I go. That's why I make the drive up from Florida. It takes me about 
oh, I'm say nine or ten hours probably the way I go at it. Uh, yeah. to drive up there, but it, it's just a, a lot of fun. And the new owners of Full Cry, Danny and, and Jason mm-hmm. Doobie, are real nice folks, and I was glad to. I'd met Jason before, but first time I met Danny, it was really good to meet her and and get to spend some time with them. And and their their heart's in the right place. You know, they, they oh. wanted when they – Jason told me, he said, when I heard they were going to – Stop full cry! I said, "No, they can't do that. That's a that's a tradition. We've got to save it, you know." And they came into it with that kind of attitude, and so I think yeah, they're going to do good. well. They've been doing a good job with it, and I just hope that all the hunters will support it. Even if you don't yeah. read, just just send in the price of a subscription and help it stay. You know, it's a it's a lifeline to our sport for. Anybody who doesn't spend time on Facebook all the time or whatever, you know, it's still a vital link to our sport. Well, I but, still enjoy reading yeah. on Facebook or any of that. Oh, I do too. I've read that yeah. whole magazine. Sure. <laughs> sure. It's funny you say that. everything in there. Mm-hmm. We, me and my dad live in the same house. And we're both subscribed to it. <laughs> that way we ain't fighting over it when it comes in. I got you. Well, that's cool. <laughs> Is your dad doing well? Uh, he's doing fair. Uh, he's got some problems with his legs. He's got blockages in both legs. And oh, my. I think yeah. February 19th, he's going in. They're going to try to go through his wrists and uh, undo the blockages and, and get him back on the Oh well, I hope to you bet. What a great guy! I really like David, and uh, and uh, sure hope that he gets uh, back on his feet and gets out there with those hounds. He's, he's like still got a lot hounds. of stuff to teach you, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I, Not, I, I'd just like him to get out there and hear Kane, man. He's he's <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to invite everybody to my parents' house, but. <laughs> I encourage anybody that wants to hear a good hound, come listen to Kane. And I don't try to promote my dogs like that. You know, I, I post when they're tree coons and when they ain't doing so hot, just to tell everybody they're, they're hounds just like the rest of them. But he, he's a real pleasure to listen to and a real pleasure to hunt. Well, like Jim the, said, if you, if you ain't got nothing else going on, it's fun to hunt them type of dogs. You know, it makes a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Well, that brings up something real quick here. I thought uh, we've still got a, a few minutes, uh, and I don't want to keep you guys any longer oh, than I have to. But, <laughs> but uh, the mouths on these Yadkin River hounds, been strong down through the years, Jim? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, see, these different people made different crosses. Like uh, Everything I bred for me to keep a dog was line bred, you know. And uh, a lot of people's taking these dogs and breed them other ways, and they call them Yak and River. And so it's got where now you got a, a lot of different actions from the dogs. Some of them got a lot different mouths and different sizes and all that stuff. It's, it's, they're probably better dogs. You know, I'm not saying anything against the ability, but people bred them different ways. They've outcrossed them and bred them this, but. They leave the name Yak and River on, and they, mm-hmm. a lot of them don't even act like the dogs that we hunted, you know, 20 years ago. Uh, not saying the 20-year-old dog was any better. I'm just saying they, 
a lot of them's different. And uh, so it's, uh, but I still, the guys I know that hunt them, they still pretty much got the same qualities, you know. Um, well, when you go, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I, I, I was going to jump over uh, in, in a different direction there, but that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys uh, early on. Is there been a particular trait in these uh, Yadkin River dogs that's passed on down through the years? If you had to kind of name one thing, Jim, could you? One thing about them? That maybe is is you know that you can pretty much depend on them having. It, I I just they're natural tree dogs. Mm-hmm. That's uh, they just you don't have to hang stuff up and hoop and holler and blow squalls. If you just take them hunting and put them in game, they'll tree. Yeah. I mean this, you know, mm-hmm. they're just natural. It's, it's bred in them so strong. They're just natural tree dogs. All right, let's go back a little bit. I know, again, I mentioned Mr. Aaron talking about the first walker dogs that they got in their country weren't good tree dogs. Now, was that Tilly a good tree dog, Touch Tilly? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, there was five of them females and a male in that litter, and I hunted with four of the females and the male. And uh, them was good tree dogs, had good mouths. Yeah. Uh, and Pete. Sue and all them dogs had real good mouths, mm-hmm. uh, and they was all. But Tilly's the first one I ever seen. Nobody hunted walkers, you know. Right. And, uh, they'd have a spotted dog, and they'd call it a walker, but it was a gray dog, you know, how it was bred. Yeah. But uh, a, a good friend of mine drew her in a hunt, and when he came to work Monday, he told me about it, and I told him that was a joke. So he got Tut's number, and I called him. We went up there and went hunting with her. And she was a real dog. She was a good fox dog, too. But, by design uh, or just by coon. accident? <laughs> oh, no. She, she, could, she could put the pressure on him. But she could tree more coons between foxes than most dogs was treeing without the fox. Mm. And she I'm, didn't run a fox every night. If she was in coons, she was treeing them coons. You know, I meant to bring this up while ago. It crossed my mind about this fox dog influence in the Walker dogs. You know, we know yeah. back the name Walker itself came from the Walker family were fox hunters in Kentucky. And right. their Walker hounds were the forerunners of the coon hound, the tree Walker coon hound, thanks to guys like Lester Nance who, you know, stayed after UKC until they finally named them that. But... Right. Um, you look back, and, and things are kind of coming full circle with these running dogs. Now, my buddy, he's a, he's a podcaster, and he, he has a podcast called The Journey. Uh, was the first one, and Heath Hyatt up in Virginia, the first one to kind of introduce me to these foxhound crosses. And uh, this Mike Kemp out in Oregon breeds them, and they're bear dogs, or, you know, big game yeah. dogs. And then I went out to uh, South Texas and hunted with that uh, rodeo bullfighter, Shorty Gorham, and he hunts yeah. bobcats with running dogs, running walker-type dogs. And you see maybe that the walker, you know, there's a lot to be said about the speed, the drive, the determination and I saw it firsthand. Those dogs are gritty too, especially those yeah. cat dogs out in out in uh, 
in Texas that I saw. I just wonder, and you know, there's been a lot of speculation. Uh, dogs have been mentioned here in this podcast, and I'm not going to go back and emphasize them, not your dogs, but other dogs out there in the world, that it was rumored that they may have had some foxhound in them, you know. Yeah. Uh, right. You know, maybe uh, maybe that's coming back around. Do you, do you see? Well, here's another point, too, and then I'll, I'll get what you guys think. There was a fellow used to come in the lobby there at, at UKC every once in a while. He was from over on the lake, Lake Michigan there, a town called Stevensville. And he had treeing foxhounds. They were trigs. Yeah. Did you ever see a trig foxhound? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful tricolored dogs. And he coon hunted with those dogs. They look like Ozark Preacher. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And well, so. They's a, they's a, oh, excuse me. No, no, go ahead. There's a, they's a gang of them dogs. We call them ringnecks down okay. here around Ashburn, North Carolina. And Roy Latham and his family mm-hmm. had them dogs. Now Roy and had a dog run, supply business or something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, sure yeah. But now they 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 run foxes with them dogs and they coon hunt them. And I asked him, I hunted with his cousin or whatever it was, one of them. And I asked him, I said, How in the world you get them dogs quit running foxes? He said, Well, if you run them with them two year old dogs all day on foxes and take them coon hunting at night, they're looking for an excuse to stop. <laughs> but them was them was natural tree dogs. I mean, mm-hmm. good calling mouse. Them was natural tree dogs. And for some reason, I hunted with several of them over here. Gene Cruz, I've mentioned him several times. Mm-hmm. He hunted them dogs for 30, 40 years. And he always had them dogs. And and them dogs, very, very few of them was junky at night. And and Gene, Gene had one there he called Reno. Uh them boys talked down there, still talking about him catching great foxes. And wow. he had him yeah. single registered and put him in three hunts, won three first and made him a night champion. Mm. And Alan Shue wanted to make him a grand night. He said, no, nah, I'm through. And he said, well, why? He said, I just wanted to show y'all that a fox dog can trick him. <laughs> <laughs> but he made him a night champion and quit. But I hunted with him probably 30 or 40 times. And them dogs run to catch. I mean, they run a coon. You talking about running a coon. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get a little slow dog after a rabbit, and he'll hop around won't go out of an acre. Yeah. And if you put something in a run him, he'll go out of here. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the way them dogs run a coon. They just run him to death, and them coons have run back then. But oh, they, yeah. they, was, they was consistently the same color. Some of them was black blanket back, and some of them was brown. But they was almost all colored with white, four white feet and white tip on their tail, and they're just natural tree dogs. And and I, they call them ringnecks, but that's what I call a trig. I I seen trig dogs, used to see a right good bit of them years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's what they look like. They look like a trig fox dog. Well, I imagine, and you mentioned the dog's name there, that uh, Brinkley's Ozark preacher dog out there i would imagine that was in his background i don't know for sure uh but i would say so and and you mentioned something else there jimmy when i was a kid and growing up and all my dad and a local banker named eddie witt 
uh, Eddie had a dog that came out of Turtle Town, Tennessee. That's down around pretty close to Murphy, North Carolina. And he was a bird song dog. Now, a bird song, yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of them, but they were an oh, old yeah. southern foxhound. You know, and yep. I'd say they were probably related to the Triggs and all. See, Trigg was a he was a fox hunter and a southern hunter and all that. Well, this dog's name was Tack. No, no, Track, just like a coon track. He was a yep. black and white spotted dog, like uh, more black. Had that ring neck that you're talking about. Uh, my dad had an old plop female named June, and she was super cold nosed. Super. She was our first registered plot, and they uh, caught a lot of coons. Well, for that era and that time and that place, they caught several coons with that pair of dogs. But they had a race one night in a hollow called Devil's Fork in the lower end of our county that lasted three hours, a coon a coon yeah. race. Uh it was not unusual back in those days to get on an old running boar coon, or especially if you shook one out for a yep. rerun. <laughs> and I remember one time climbing up a hemlock tree and shaking a coon out to the dogs. And, man, they left there and went nearly out of hearing and came back in here. I was I stayed up in the tree, man. I had a ringside seat. <laughs> I could hear those dogs forever. If you'd look at me now, Tom, you'd say, man, you couldn't climb an apple tree. But I, <laughs> <laughs> I used to could try climb, but not like my dad. He was like a squirrel. <laughs> well, I wasn't like a squirrel, but we used to treat. We used to shake them out for a good bit. I like doing that because I don't make a dog pick that head up and go. Oh, yeah. Uh, especially if you got two or three dogs in there, he won't be out there noodling around. He wanted to pick his head up and look for him. That's right. And, uh, That's right. Well, that was some good stuff there. <laughs> oh, yeah. The good old days. You had to live yeah. them, Tom, to really appreciate them. <laughs> but you're living your it. good old days right now. So one of these days yeah. you're going to have your grandkid on your on your knee and said, man, I sat there and wasted two hours of my life talking to Steve Fielder and Jim Meeks about Well, they get that. to listen to it and hear all the great stories we talked about. So I think it's a win-win. Oh, uh, well, I hope so. I hope somebody appreciates what we've done, Jim, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I do, too. I know but... I sure do. Without kissing any butt, I know I sure do. That's a fact. <laughs> well, Tom. Whether they do or not, I do. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And that's, you know, when you get to be our age, Tom, you don't much worry about what anybody else thinks. It is what it is. It let the record show, right, Jim? That's it. <laughs> that's it right there. Well, fellas, it's been a great visit with you, and I appreciate you so much coming on with me. And and it's kind of like catching up with you at, at uh, Grand American, but not quite because quite because. Hey, Tom, I do want to thank you for stooping down there in the dirt in that uh, stud barn and having your picture <laughs> taken with that plot dog. I I really I appreciate was, that you and Dave. I thought it was funny when when we went over there. Me and David walked over to the booth, and uh, we told him we told you that we had took a picture with Fever. 
You said, no, you can't be doing that, Tom. You're going to ruin your reputation. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Here you are got, building this great reputation, uh, these Yankton <laughs> River dogs, and Jim Meeks is your buddy and all that, and then you go down there and fool with the dang plot. What <laughs> is wrong with you, son? <laughs> well, yes, we, sir. We all have our likes and dislikes, and I like that little old dog, and he's come along at a time of life for me where I, I just, I've just really enjoyed him. I was sitting back watching my buddy go with him, and he's no world beater, but he's pretty good, and uh, he's all I need right now. So, Well, fellas, I'm going to cut you loose and hope, uh, Jim, that uh, have you got that uh, ticker regulated? Is it beating on schedule uh, pretty much? Yeah, yeah. Good. It's doing good. Good, good. Well, it took a little while, but it's doing good. Well, take care of that sore arm. Don't let those dogs jerk you around. And, <laughs> <laughs> and Tom, you keep old Kane in the woods and keep walking that mile. You think about me. <laughs> yes, I'm sitting. I'm sitting on the couch waiting for you to post the video so I can enjoy <laughs> it too. Well, you yes, fellas, sir. we're gonna try. Okay. Well, listen. I wish you all the best. Hope to get up with you again soon. Uh, Jim, are you going, or either of you going to Southeastern Walker Days here? Oh, up? yeah. I, 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 I secured that room back when I secured one for the Grand American. Okay. So well, I figured. We I, done got everything set up. Well, but this Batesville trip came, came up, and I guess I'll uh, – We've got a few little things scheduled, uh, Ella and me, and they've asked me to judge a bench show up in uh, West Virginia in April, and uh, uh, I'm going to go up. I guess the, the plot, American Plot Association has a breed days in right. Greenville, Tennessee in March. So I've got about a, a trip a month here scheduled. That's about all I need <laughs> Uh, anymore but uh hope to see you boys soon i hope you have a great spring and summer keep those yadkin river dogs coming and and we'll talk about them all right Steve, appreciate you calling buddy you bet okay folks that's jim meeks and tom gilroy talking about those old yadkin river tree and walker dogs it's been a great visit with those boys want to remind you if you need anything in the way of dog supplies supplies for yourself or the dogs uh, and especially any kind of electronic equipment that we depend on so much nowadays and the service to back it up go to duhuntingsupply.com dusupply.com folks that's it for this week we'll catch you out here next time somebody asks you Where's Steve Fielder? Tell him he's over there on the coast uh, following around <laughs> some old big old white dog. They call it a Yankin <laughs> River. All right. He's gone to the dogs. <laughs>